Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey guys, good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening, and welcome to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. It is May 4th, 2020. May the 4th be with you. I wonder when that was, I wonder who came up with that. I almost, I almost said, I wonder what geeks came up with that, but I am a huge Star Wars fan. I've been watching Star Wars since 1977. Uh, the reason I didn't, don't, well, I'd probably not anymore, but the reason I did not believe in Santa Claus anymore when I was like five or six was because of Star Wars. I had gone to bed. My parents were like, my well, my mom and my grandparents were like, go to bed. And then I was a sneaky little shit. So I was like, I'm going to go downstairs. So I came down the back stairs and they were putting all the presents under the tree. And that's when I realized, oh shit, there's no Santa Claus. And then when I opened those presents, they were all the Star Wars figures from A New Hope. The big ones too. I'm talking like... They would be worth so much money right now, but the moment I got them, I ripped open the Princess Leia box and I started redoing her hair. <laughs> so when my mom was shocked that I was gay at 17, I was just like, I'm going to have to rewind back to when I was more excited about Princess redoing Princess Leia's hair and taking those cones out than I was about, I don't know, Luke Skywalker. All right, guys, I um, I take it you appreciated and enjoyed last week's episode with Pilot Paul. I want to read some of the, th- the things that you guys said. These were some of the comments left on Instagram after listening to the podcast episode or prior. I don't know. I see a lot of shenanigans and tomfoolery between you two. Well, yeah, that happened if you listened to the episode. Um, oh, my gosh, you two on a podcast together? Where's my drink? You're going to need like two or three to get through that episode. My p- favorite pilot ever. Well, what about me? God, you people. Love me some Paul. He's the best. Again, I don't know why I'm not getting any love here. Oh, hi, Paul. I, okay, enough with the reading about Paul. Let's get into this episode. I'm just kidding. I love Paul. I am excited because today it's three guys on a plane. Actually, two guys on a plane called in to talk with me today. And I'm very excited about that. Rich and Andrew are the co-creators of the blog, Two Guys on a Plane. And we talked about how they met. So if you are a flight attendant and you're out there hoping you're going to meet your soulmate on an airplane, they're going to give you hope because they met on an airplane and they're married and it's fantastic. We discussed how they came up with the idea for Two Guys on an Airplane. And we talked about writing memes and how people have a shorter attention span now. Instead of reading a long blog post, they want to really just read two sentences, even if they're not grammatically correct. We talked about their blog post that they wrote, what it's like to be a flight attendant during a global pandemic, which be which went viral. And they've been on HGTV twice. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Rich and Andrew. I want to, I'm very excited to welcome two guys on a plane to the show today. Welcome, Rich and Andrew. I'm clapping for you guys. <laughs> hey, Joe. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited to chat today. I'm excited to chat with you, too. You know, this is like a threesome. <laughs> so I'm excited that I get to do a threesome. It's actually three guys on a plane today or three guys on a yeah. podcast, which is exciting. Well, the more the merrier. <laughs> that now, now you sound like a flight attendant. See, this makes so much sense to me. 
So um, why don't you guys introduce, because there's two of you on the show, and I haven't had that done in a long time. So why don't you guys take a moment and introduce yourselves to the listeners so they know who you are? Hey, my name is Rich. I am one of two guys on a plane. I am a flight attendant, and I've been flying for about seven years, and I live in Philadelphia with my husband. Uh, and I am Andrew. I'm the other guy on the plane. Uh, <laughs> been flying for almost 17 years as a flight attendant now, and also in Philadelphia. Andrew, you've been flying for 17 years. How is that possible? Because when I see photos of you on social media, you look 25. Well, thank you. I started at about 14. So <laughs> that's the perfect. <laughs> you just made his day. So that, is, day. <laughs> that is the perfect age to start as a flight attendant. Yeah. <laughs> we can just wrap up here. He's done. <laughs> we're done. A uh, one minute and 31 seconds and we're done. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so all you need. <laughs> that's all I need. Really? Yeah, exactly. I love to compliment people. So Rich, you've been a flight attendant for seven years. Andrew's been a flight attendant for 17 years. Did you guys meet at work? Did you meet before work? How does, how does that story come, come together? Uh, we did meet at work. I was actually, I was only flying for about nine months when I met Andrew and I was working a flight, um, a, a pretty short flight to Nashville and Andrew happened to be commuting home. Uh, and so he came on board and I was flying with a friend of mine and we kind of were joking, like, you know, anytime a cute guy walked on board, we would, we would make a joke with each other. And he's like, go get his phone number. And I was like, I'm not going to go get some random guy's phone number. And sure enough, it worked out. Uh, he was sitting in my exit row. I briefed him. Um, and you know, we just kind of chatted back and forth and, ended up having dinner that night in Nashville. Um, and you know, the rest is history. We, we kind of just kept flying around to see each other, which, you know, is so unique to being a flight attendant. Um, you know, you're like, Hey, let's meet in St. Louis. Why not? You know, I'll see you there. So it, it worked out because, you know, it forced both of us to make sure we really liked each other. If we were going to get on a plane and go non-rev somewhere just to see somebody. <laughs> right. You you better know that you're going to like them. Now, Andrew, had you ever had someone, give you their phone number before on the airplane? Uh, I mean, yes. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my I God. 14. I look really good, Joe. Yes. <laughs> I've had people give me phone numbers on planes before. La, but la, la, it turns la. out the opposite was true. I was the one giving the phone number this time, not rich. Oh, so I'm sorry. See, I'm already, I've already fucked this up three minutes in. <laughs> no. So rich, yeah. rich was sitting in the exit row and Andrew. No, no, you, no, 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 no. Oh my no, God. Rich was the flight attendant. Rich was the flight attendant. I was sitting in the exit row. Um, you know, and as good crew members do, they all um, work together to make sure that Rich had space. Uh, his other flight attendant made sure he didn't do service past the exit row, so he had time to stand there and talk to me. Oh. Uh, and at the end of the flight, I gave him my phone number, told him if he ever needed a tour guide to give me a call. Uh, but he happened to forget that he was overnighting in Nashville that night. I did conveniently leave out of the story how awkward I am because I we got off the plane and Andrew waited till the end, gave me a piece of his boarding pass with his phone number on it. We're walking off the plane and I'm telling my crew, uh, you know, as we're going to the van, I was like, yeah, that guy totally gave me his phone number. And they were like, oh my God, are you going to see him? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And they were like, you're in Nashville. He's in Nashville. Did you not tell him that? Right. And I was like, oh shit. No, I didn't tell him that. <laughs> so. I'm a weirdo. No, no. So 
so you called him. I take it you called him and you guys went for dinner, right? I did. And he conveniently happened to be free that night, which um, turned out to be pretty great for me. <laughs> what a great layover. Not only do you get dinner, you probably have some fun and you meet your future husband. I know. I and mean, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't think either one of us saw it coming. I think we just thought, oh, you know, it'll be fun to hang out with somebody and, and that'll be that. And then we just kind of clicked and kept talking and, uh, yeah, it all worked out. It's crazy. It's, it's still kind of funny thinking back on it. You know, it sounds like the plot of a, a cheesy movie and it, no one never really believes us, but we're like, no, that's really how it happened. <laughs> That that's so no, that's such a great story, you know, because people will always ask me like, oh, are you married to a flight attendant? I'm like, God, no, like, I, <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, God, no, I could never handle it. How is it like you're both flight attendants? I assume you work for the same airline. We're not going to mention the airline name. Um, but how does that work at, in your marriage? Does it help? Does it is there any problems when you're both flight attendants? Well, you know, everybody says that when we first got together, like, oh, that, that's got to be horrible. You know, you fly all the time. You never see each other. And we do actually work for different airlines. So oh, okay. It's harder to think, you know, we can't work together. We can't really think up our schedules as easily. So, you know, everyone's like, that, that's got to be horrible. It must be so hard for you. And honestly, we love it. Like, as much as we love each other, I think any married couple would happily admit that sometimes it's nice to have a little time away from each other. Um, you know, it keeps things fresh. It keeps things exciting. I, I think I think it works to our advantage more than anything. Uh, and since neither of us have ever been married to someone who's not a flight attendant, we don't really have much to compare it to. Right. But, um, you know, I, I like knowing that he understands what I'm going through while I'm at work. You know, the frustrations that I face in my day, I can vent to him and he gets what's going on in my world. I, I don't have to spend an hour explaining why this situation was frustrating to me. I bet you that is very refreshing and comforting. You know, that is something that I, you know, I've been with my husband for almost, it'll be 16 years this year, but, and I've been a flight attendant well, for 12. Oh my God. I know it's so much work. He's going to hear me say, that. <laughs> I love you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, and I've been a flight attendant for 12 years and I, it's so funny because at this point now, if I come home and I'm complaining about something, he still stares at me like he's never heard me complain about it for 12 years. And I'm always like, can you get on the same page? You've been hearing this for 12 years. You're practically a flight attendant. I swear that's all of our, our all of our non-airline people in our lives. So it's like years later and they're still like, you're doing what now? Right. How does I'm your like, schedule Mom, work out? Years. Yeah. I'm like, Mom, it's yeah. been 17 years. No, I'm not staying in Tampa. I just happen to be here right. on the way to, you know, right. calm down. We'll get there. What do you mean you're going to LA to get to Miami? Why didn't you take the direct flight? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. So I, you know, I've always thought like, like I said, Oh my God, I could never be married to a flight attendant because I work with flight attendants and I see what's going on. I see what happens. But then there's also the positive side of it that when you guys do come home from your separate trips, you, you'll you understand like, oh, you wouldn't believe what cruise scheduling did to me. Oh no, I do. I do. What happened to me? Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there's still enough of a separation since we don't fly the same trips or with any of the same people that like he can leave his work stuff at work and I can leave my work stuff at work and you know, we can have peace of mind when we get home. Well, that sounds one. It sounds like you guys have mastered this um, 
lifestyle of being flight attendants and being married and understanding all of the hoopla that goes into it. And then you guys can come home and still, and still have a healthy relationship, which I think is great. You said the word master. I say we just take it day by day and face the challenges head on. But you know, I think we're doing an okay job at all of it. Yeah. I mean, and that's all we can do, right? All we can do is day by day. Now, I want to talk about the excite that is exciting. Don't get me wrong, but the fact that you guys have <laughs> created this incredible social media empire and blog, two guys on a plane, how did that come to fruition? How did you guys make that a reality? Well, it's it's funny. Like everything in our relationship, I feel like this too started as just kind of like a funny little joke, you know, like when we first met, that was kind of like a, ha, we'll hang out. Sure. You know, and the, the whole blog and everything started in a similar way. You know, everyone was saying, you guys travel so much. You should start one of those cute little Instagram accounts together, you know, that all the gay couples are doing where they post all their travels. And we're like, well, that's a fun idea. So we started it and we start looking at all these other couples that are doing it online and we're like okay so all these people really do is choose different destinations to show off their abs and <laughs> we're not really those people right. so we we were doing it for a few months and we we're like this isn't really going anywhere this is stupid we you know i don't know what we're doing and then one day we we started posting you know memes and stuff that people were sharing and and we noticed that that sort of stuff is getting a lot more you know attention than our travel so we just started kind of injecting our own, you know, style of humor into the posts that we were doing and people started really reacting to that. So, you know, I've, I've always liked writing. So, you know, we decided to start, um, you know, a little website and a blog just to kind of put a few things up just to maybe look a little more legitimate. Um, and then, you know, there've been a few posts here and there now that people have really resonated with and, and sent us feedback about. So it's really just kind of slowly built over the last, probably two years that we've been doing this, maybe two or three years. Um, and you know, it's, it's been, it's been a cool experience. Well, it's, you know, you guys are like master. Uh, here I go with the word mastering. Maybe I'm just trying to say master. <laughs> maybe because we talked we about a threes- it. No, because we talked about a threesome. I'm thinking of masturbating. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just the way my brain works. Um, <laughs> But you guys are doing such a great job. Who comes up with the meme ideas or is, or do you both filter them back and forth? Like, do you think this is going to be funny? Do you think this is funny? Or do you guys just both share your ideas? We do a lot of bouncing off of each other. You know, one of us will go home from work and say, this happened to me today or this situation happened. How do we turn that into uh, a joke that our, you know, coworkers would laugh at. And so we do a lot of, bouncing back and forth to make the idea. Um, and ultimately Rich ends up doing more of the writing. He is the writer of the group. So the composing of most of this stuff happens through his brain. Yeah. What I love about it is it really is a, you know, collaboration between the two of us. I, you know, what Andrew said, I do a lot of the writing and I do a lot of the actual, like putting the memes together, but I'll come up with an idea and Andrew will just stare at me with this blank face. And I'm like, oh, okay, so that one wasn't funny. <laughs> so, and then he'll have some twist to it that makes it really funny. So it's definitely like a back and forth between the two of us before we get to something that we actually like. So it's, it's cool to be able to do that. 
Yeah, I was, you know, because I was curious when there's two people running the empire, because that's what it's like a social media empire you guys got going on. I, I <laughs> sit I sit back here and I watch and I'm like, all right, who writes the memes? Who writes the blog post? Who's doing the marketing? Because that's where my brain goes. It's like, all right, who who's the who's who's doing what? So is there one person that does more marketing and advertising? Do you guys have specific roles or does it kind of mesh together? That's a tough question to answer. Um, I would say that I do more of the like day-to-day stuff. And then Andrew is more of the idea person a lot of times. Like he'll come up with some, you know, new ideas of how to distribute stuff or how to engage people. And then we'll just kind of collaborate. So I I don't know that I would say one of us does more of certain things than the other. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's funny you call it an empire. I guess we never really thought of it that way because we both just, you know, sit at home and talk about what we're going to do and post. And I, I hate to say this, but there's really not a lot of rhyme or reason with some of the stuff that we come up with. We just, you know, feel a certain thing and we write about it or we have a joke and we put that out there. It's just kind of, we take it day by day. And it's just like anything else with social media related items. It's, following your trends and you know whoever happens to be watching that day figures out what's driving better than than the other things that we've posted so is there a a style of meme that's resonating better and you know so like rich is saying pretty much 50 50 it just depends on who happens to be in there watching it that day Right. Because you could like, it's happened to me so many times where you write something, you're like, this is so hilarious. This is gold. And then it kind of falls flat and you're like, where, uh-huh. wh- I know this is funny. Like, does that happen to right. you guys? <laughs> do you guys go through that? Well, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We do that all the time. I mean, and it's funny. I'm sure you probably have a similar response to this. Anytime that happens, I'm like, it must be those damn algorithms and social media because people must not be seeing it because we're hilarious, obviously. <laughs> no, no, I understand that. I'm I'm like, Facebook hates me. Facebook yeah. hates me because I could be like writing something that I think is just hilarious and then like it just it just falls flat and you're like, God, should I repost this in a week? Uh-huh. I've done that also. Yeah. <laughs> or we've literally posted the same joke three different ways and three different formats. And only one of them will hit because yeah. it's the way the joke looks on the screen. And you just literally never know what's going to hit even beyond the algorithms. Like what format True. of this joke is going to work? Well, and you're supposed to, you know, they say you're supposed to create custom content for different, you know, platforms. And, you know, we we're not there yet. We just post, all the same stuff on all, all three of our platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it's just funny because it'll go crazy with thousands of likes. Well, maybe not thousands, but you know, on, oh, you can boost your Instagram. numbers here. It's okay. Boost yeah. your numbers. That's fine. <laughs> Millions of views. Millions <laughs> of views. Um, yes. You know, they'll be so popular in one platform and then on another platform, it's, it just looks like somebody's sad family member that posted something <laughs> about cats that nobody wants to look at. <laughs> And that happens all the time. I have this theory that for every great meme we come up with, there's like 10 that we were like, no, that won't work. For yeah, sure. That won't work. Mm-hmm, 100% true. I'm going well, to, and one I'm of the get ones gay bashed. Made, yeah. well, <laughs> one of the ones we made recently 
we're convinced we started a trend with it because we posted, we made this list of things, how to be a stay at home flight attendant. And there was this one video that of a flight attendant and her husband um, at home. And she was like serving in duty free stuff and all this other stuff. And I messaged them and I was like, I have to be honest, like, did you happen to see our meme? And they were like, actually we did. And that's what, you know, kind of prompted us to start this video. So I was like, it's so cool that, you know, maybe we weren't cool enough to make that video, but you know, that other people saw our stuff and either think it's funny or react to it or come up with their own ways to do it. It's cool to have that sort of impact. Well, you guys, like you said, you're trend, you're, you're trendsetters now. You're trendsetters. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you ever see a post that's made or a meme that's made? And I want to talk about memes um, also in a minute, but do you ever see something and you're like, fuck, why didn't I, th why didn't we think of that? Yeah, definitely. Oh, every day. That happens a lot to me. Like, I'm like, oh God, I wish my brain would have been thinking like that today. Cause that's hilarious. <laughs> and then you think, well, my brain could go there. So why did it not do that today? What's wrong with right. me? <laughs> I, um, I have this love hate relationship with memes and, um, let me explain it to you. The, um, you know, as, as, as someone who says he's a writer, as I, I, I you know, I consider myself to be a writer. I always think that memes are kind of like the easy way out. And, and I make them all the time because I understand now that society and people, they just want to read two sentences and that's it. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. you, you could write, uh, um, 10 things that flight attendants say that are hilarious and yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great. But people are going to read it. And by the fifth thing, they're like, I'm bored. Why isn't this just a right. meme? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, it's because we live in a cell phone community now where if you have to swipe more than once on your phone, it's not going to get looked at. Unless you're on Grindr or something. <laughs> I mean, bitches will be swiping all fucking day on Grindr yeah. and Tinder, but you want to have to read something someone wrote. Oh my God, it's so hard. There's words. Are you saying we should start sending people memes and articles on Grinder? Do you think that would work? <laughs> um, I, I, hey, listen. If it grows your empire, I think Grinder, Tinder. <laughs> what are the other ones? Well, Bumble, I don't scruff. <laughs> that's the funny thing about memes, though. We totally agree with you there. It's such a love hate relationship because when we first started doing stuff, you know, we would write a blog post and you think, oh, I, I put all these really like deep, heartfelt thoughts together and I tried to you know articulate as best as I could with the message that I wanted to tell and you know you're really proud of it and it's like two likes but then you post some dumb meme and you're you know it's not even grammatically correct <laughs> and people people eat it up and then you're like wow it really is the easy way out but that's the only way to pull people into you know what you're doing on social media or on the internet in general it's, it's kind of Sad. So I definitely get the love hate relationship you're talking about. Yeah, I, um, yeah, it definitely love hate relationship. And I go through phases where I'll make a lot of memes and then I'm like, I'm not making memes anymore. And then I'm like, all right, I'm making <laughs> memes again. And my husband will say, 
are you writing or are you making memes? I'm like, this is 2020. Kids don't read anymore. They just want to read a meme <laughs> and then move on. It's the truth. And I mean, one of our goals is to write a book eventually. And or at least, you know, one of my goals is to write a book. And I'm like, but who's going to read it? People, I mean, as much as people are reading nowadays, they're not reading like they used to. Um, so, you know, if you want to create anything that's credible or of substance, it honestly could just fall flat. And then at that point, you're like, do I really write a whole book just to watch it flop? You know what I mean? Well, definitely. Yes. Write the book. Definitely write the book. Maybe you could write a meme <laughs> book where each page is a meme telling the story as it progresses. <laughs> Isn't that called a comic book? <laughs> it, it, well, yeah, it could be called the meme book, but no, you should definitely write a book because people do still read, but I just think that it's become easier. I'm not, I don't want to say that the world has dumbed down, but I'm going to say the world is dumbing down and <laughs> I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. And I think when you put a meme on people, like you said, um, it doesn't even have to be correct spelling. Yeah. And, true. you know, you, you just pour your heart into a blog post and you want, I, I want to make sure every I is dotted and every T is crossed and I don't want any bad sentences and horrible grammar. And then you could write a, a, a two sentence meme that's just off the chain and people are like 5,000 likes and you're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you there. I also don't want to say the world is dumbed down, but it's, it's definitely heading in that direction. Oh, I'll say, no, I'll say it. It's fine. I'll say it for, I'll say it for our tri triad today. This is our triad today. <laughs> The world is dumbing down, and that's why people read memes like they used to read presidential biographies. There, I said it. I'm sure people will hate it, but it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, speaking of writing, I want to talk about this incredible blog post you guys posted on your twoguysonaplane.com blog, and it was what it's like to be a flight attendant during a global pandemic. This thing has had over 58,000 views, so congratulations, because that's incredible. Thank you. You're yeah, we, we were really surprised by that. It's gotten a lot of attention. Yeah, well, it was posted on March 23rd, so it's been a little bit over a month since um, since it was released, and it's just got so m I saw it all over social media. I was very excited for you guys because I know that feeling of when you write something and you don't know if it's going to go anywhere, and then it just explodes. What is the word the kids use? It went viral. <laughs> I wonder what classifies viral because I would love to say that went viral, but did it? <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, I guess you could compare it to what, I guess in your own little universe, you could compare it to other things you've written. And if well, it's the true. highest number of things that has been viewed, then in your world, it went viral. I mean, we, you know, if I tried comparing myself to Joe Rogan's podcast, I would just be sleeping in the litter box crying right now. <laughs> so I just kind of try to compare myself, but for you guys, was this the biggest blog post you've ever written? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, definitely the biggest and most viewed blog post we've written so far. And funny enough, one of the ones that I would say we spent not quite as much time on as some of the other ones, it was just kind of this, you know, discussion we were having and we just were, 
it was right when the whole thing first started to happen. And, you know, we kind of started watching our industry crumble before our eyes. We had so many thoughts and feelings and it's like an emotional roller coaster that, you know, we're like, we have to get this out. We just have to write this and, and put this out there. And we didn't even think much of it. It was honestly more like therapy for us, I think, to, to talk about it and to put those feelings out there. And then boom, there it goes. And we were like, oh, all right. So apparently, you know, people really resonate with that sort of thing. Well, and whose idea you guys, like you said, you were just going back and forth with the idea. And then, and then Rich, did you write this article? Is, are you the author of this article? I did. Yeah, we um, actually, it was the night before I was going on a trip. And this was when, you know, people were starting to do the social distancing thing. And it was kind of starting to come out. And we were sitting, uh, you know, in the living room, you know, having some wine and just talking about it. Because I was kind of scared to go back to work the next day. And then as soon as I got to my layover the next day, you know, I'd taken notes from Andrew and I's conversation. And I just started writing, 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 writing. And I sent it back to him. We made a few edits. We talked on the phone about it. And then I was like, I don't even want to look at this anymore. I just want to put it out there. I want people to read this. So um, the turnaround for that particular article is pretty quick considering. And it was, you know, I read it when it came out and then I read it again this morning to prepare for this interview. And it really does make you, It when I read it, I'm like, these people know exactly what they're talking about. They know exactly how I feel. So well, congratulations <laughs> on that because yeah, yeah like when, when I read it, I was like, wow, we really are all the same, no matter what airline we work for, whether we're the lead flight attendants, we're not, you know, no matter where we're going, we really all have this feeling and you guys really got it down on paper. And I thought that was incredible. Well, thank you. That is quite a compliment. Yeah, we we really just wanted to, you know, it, as cliche as it is to say we're all in this together, like, we really are. And, you know, I think flight attendants, you know, we all experience such, you know, similar scenarios and situations on the plane every day, while also being completely different based on whatever airline we work for. But, you know, for the day, we're all kind of watching our industry just change in a way we've never seen it changed before and so um you know it, it it it's nice to know that that you feel so strongly about it so thank you for that oh That's yeah no it a was a very nice compliment it was very good now as i also go ahead sorry i, no, I also think it helps that rich and i are different airlines because when you're at your own airline or in a single airline and you're talking with the same co-workers every day it feels like you are the only one facing this challenge but to come home and over a glass of wine, realize that the entire industry is facing this. Um, I think it's, it was maybe easier to put it on paper that way because we, we knew we were together in this. And I'm glad you brought up that point too, because I think a lot of flight, you know, lots of flight attendants have only worked for one airline, right? And most of their friends and the most of the people in their circle are at their airline. So at mm -hmm, some definitely. point when everyone is just bitching and complaining about the same work rules and the same pay, you kind of start thinking like, Oh, we're our airlines, the worst. We're the only ones going through this. Everyone else must, right. must they must just be getting money thrown at them with 50 hour layovers. And they probably get the same pay as the pilots. That's what, you know, so <laughs> you guys come at it. That's so great. I've never even thought of that. Like you both come from different airlines. So you can come home and be like, 
my airline sucks. Well, let me tell you what my airline did. Oh God, that's worse than mine. You know, that's yeah. actually pretty cool. Right. No, that was pretty much verbatim the conversation that we had recently. <laughs> you know, we, we come home and we're like, Oh yeah, this really sucks. And you're like, Oh yeah, you want to bet? <laughs> Does that make you appreciate what you have at your specific airline? Uh, yes and no, um, because as much as, you know, like you were saying, you assume other airlines have these like great contracts and they're getting paid like what CEOs make and, you know, you make those <laughs> jokes. It kind of makes you compare and self-reflect about it more than other air, like other flight attendants might do just because, you know, he'll talk about his contract and I'm like, well, damn, that's not my contract. Why isn't it in my contract? Should I work for your airline? And vice versa, right. you know, there'll be certain things that happen at my airline and he's like, wait a minute, maybe I, maybe I want that. And so it, it, it helps definitely to put things in perspective, but also makes us wonder, um, you know, should we, should we be switching airlines? Should we be looking for other things? But, you know, like you said, I think at the end of the day, we're all, we're all kind of in it together and we all have our, you know, great things and shitty things about our own airline. Right. I, I often, I often have to remind myself that it's not so bad and other people have it worse in the airline industry because, you know, I do talk uh -huh. to lots of people at different airlines and I don't, I don't usually, of course I don't share the airlines on the podcast, but usually behind the scenes, I know where they work. And, um, so it's like in my mind, I'm like, well, God, I guess I don't have it that bad. I need to stop complaining. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love to tell people that the grass isn't greener. It's just a different shade of green. Like, we all have pluses and minuses. You don't, you don't know what's good and what's bad. You know, you have to take one with the other, no matter where you work. Yes. And you know, I can remember once I was on a Virgin America flight, I guess I can say that because they don't exist anymore, but I was on a Virgin America flight and there was a flight <laughs> attendant. There was a flight attendant deadheading and she was sitting across from me and she was a Virgin America flight attendant. And she was just drilling me like, well, what do you get paid for this? And what do you get paid for that? And what do you get paid for this? And by the end of the conversation, I felt like I worked for the greatest airline on the planet because every time I answered a question, she was like, Oh God, we don't get that. Well, what about this? And I would tell her and then she, Oh, we don't get that. So I walked off. Like I'm not complaining for the rest of the day. <laughs> Just the day. Just the day. Oh yeah. I can't, I can't promise too much. You're so right though. I mean, you know, even, you know, with an airline like Virgin, I think everyone's always kind of thought, Oh, you know, their uniforms and their planes are so fun and they have great customer service. So you kind of, put them on a pedestal and then you start looking at the ins and outs of, of some of these airlines that have great reputations and you're like, wait a minute, is it really that great or are we all just lying to ourselves? Well, I think airlines trick the public. I think, um, you know, take Virgin America, for instance, we'll use them as an example because they're not in business anymore. They're Alaska now, but you know, back in the day, like you said, you look at their uniforms, you look at their planes, they have the fancy music, they have the incredible music video. So you're thinking this is the greatest place to work, but it's, it's kind of like an illusion because then when you sit down with the flight attendants back in the day, and I'm talking like, this is probably like 2011 or something, you know, they're like, Oh God, we, we don't get paid this and we need to get paid for this and we need to get paid for this. And then, and then when they merge with Alaska and then you fly on Alaska and then you're talking to them, then it's an entirely different 
drama because now it now they're comparing themselves to Alaska. So it's so it makes you really appreciate what you have, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned um you mentioned a few minutes ago of how you like go home and you sit there and your flight attendants and you're watching the industry that you love change. You know, a lot of people, you know, the flight attendant job isn't a job that you take home, right? Because you're not doing that. It's not like you're a lawyer or whatever, but because, because you guys go home and then you have this, I'm going to say it again, empire, this social media flight attendant empire and blog, you kind of never stop being a flight attendant. You know, it's funny you say that because that is still to this day one of my favorite parts about this job. I mean, I was working in nonprofit management before this, you know, it was a nine to five, but, you know, you're always in your email, you're always thinking about projects at work and deadlines and doing different things. And that was one thing that I always loved about this job. But the difference between that and what's happening now is, at least with our, you know, so-called empire, we're doing it for fun. We're doing it because, you know, we want to talk about aviation and, you know, we're both passionate about flying and being a flight attendant. And, you know, as much as we rag on passengers and pilots and gate agents and everything like that, like, you know, we, we love the community that we're a part of and we love the people that we get to engage with every day. So I think it's a different kind of vibe, you know, as much as we can hang up our uniform and be done with work at the end of the day, we kind of put on a different hat and look at it in a different light when we do stuff for two guys on a plane. That's a good, that's good. That's a good answer. That's because I wanted to know how you maintain some type of balance at home. Like, okay, I can't worry about the airline industry, but I've got to make this meme. That's really funny because just because I'm not on the plane serving, I'm still trying to build this brand of two guys on a plane. So I wanted to know how you guys maintain some level of balance doing that. Well, you know, as much as we are trying to build a brand of some sort, um, you know, we, we're very much independent about it. It's not like we're working with you know, a company or a publicist or anything like that. Like this is just kind of our own day-to-day work. So the good thing about that is, you know, at least the last couple of weeks, whenever we've needed to check out, like we just check out, we turn our phones off, we ignore social media for a little while. And, you know, it's good to have that flexibility because especially now, like, I don't know about you, but we're feeling pretty uninspired to be funny or motivational or anything just because things are so hectic in our industry. It seems, you know, kind of trivial to make a joke about passengers opening a lavatory door, even though it's still funny <laughs> that they can't do it. But, you know, it's a lot right. harder nowadays to come up with that sort of stuff. And I'll add to that a lot of it honestly doesn't come home with us. Like a lot of the things that happen happen while we're out on trips and you'll get inspiration while you're on the airplane and you'll make a mental note of it and you know, make a quick meme on a bus ride home and mm-hmm, text right. it to see if you get a laugh when you get home to make sure it's funny and then it gets posted. But a lot of it doesn't actually come home. You know, writing a blog, sure. You know, there's a lot of discussion over the blog and how to get the content right. But the the memes are usually made on the plane, you know, not on the plane, but in a hotel room while we're out working. Right. Yeah. Like, like you just said, most of the memes will pop into your head when you're on the jump seat and you're like, Oh, I better write this down. This will come in handy later. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Come in later, later. Um, you mentioned something about how, how hard it is to be funny right now. And ain't that ain't God, I just said, ain't, ain't that the truth. <laughs> it's so, it's so difficult. Like we're in such a, such this weird moment that there's almost this guilty feeling of, should I really try to be funny right now? Because there's people without jobs and they don't have food. And, and here I am making a meme about, you know, Oprah Winfrey. I made a meme where it's Oprah Winfrey and she realizes she forgot her dildo at the hotel. (laughs) Is, is that important right now? Like, so (laughs) I mean, whenever I could think of Oprah with a dildo, I know it's gold, but I mean, what's not to laugh at? I know, but I love that you said that you brought, you brought the truth out. Like, yes, there's a level of guilt that you feel like I shouldn't be being funny right now, but I kind of have to because people still need to laugh. So how do you manage through that? No, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. Like we, you know, like I said, it, it's hard to make jokes about some of the dumb stuff that happens, but you know, we'll post something trivial and funny and we'll be like, Oh, you know, what are people going to think? And then we'll get a message from someone that'll be like, I'm having the worst day. I just lost my job. And that meme that you just posted is the one thing that is making me smile today. And then you get messages like that and you're like, well, shoot, we can't let people down now. So now it's like, I have to be funny. So as much as, you know, we don't, we don't want to be insensitive to everything going on. um, You know, there's nothing like humor to get people through something like this. Well, and I also think it's about balance. Like we're writing blogs about what it's like to fly during a pandemic but you know and that can be a little bit more serious but like rich said people need the humor it's serious out there you know it's very somber on the airplanes these days and you know people need a laugh and we're here to give it to them if we can and you're doing yes and i think that that's the message that needs to be delivered is it's okay to laugh it's okay to find humor when times are down like you know have you ever heard of that phrase like is it too soon hashtag too soon like never too (laughs) and that's how i feel you know i um i don't think it's ever too soon like i i try to find the humor and and then you're connecting with people like you said that person sent you an email and said you know i lost my job today but you made me laugh thank you that feels great it does. Yeah, it really does. Because I think that that's something that all of us are facing right now in one way or another, whether you're losing your job or you're losing pay or, you know, losing important moments in your life, like weddings and graduations, like everybody is losing something right now. And what that looks like is different for everybody. But we all have that, you know, kind of peace missing from our lives. And I, I you know, we, we have to laugh. I, I think anybody, you know, who's experiencing anything has to laugh. Any, anybody who's had anything dark in their lives, the only way to get through it is to laugh about it. Right, right. It, and it's the people who say, you shouldn't be laughing right now. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You're so depressing. Right. Like, and you go back to your miserable little hole, like, and leave us alone. We're going to laugh and find the positives in life and move forward. Exactly. Like we talked about, somebody had sent you an email saying, thank you for posting this. Have you guys received any negative 
re- emails, <laughs> comments, like, tell me, do you have a, oh, a, yeah. a horror story? I love a horror story. I have so many, <laughs> but this is about you. Like, do you guys have a horror story you can share? Uh, yeah, oh, for please. sure. I mean, honestly, and that's the funniest thing about it is the, the bigger, the two guys in a plane, uh, I can't even talk, two guys in a plane brand get, the more we're getting both positive and negative feedback. And I remember it was actually a little while ago now, but we posted a series of Ship Creek memes that were incredibly popular. And there was one, um, I don't know if you're a fan of the show. I oh my God. Obsessed. Okay, good. Obsessed. <laughs> good. Cause I'm like, if you're Obsessed. not, then you're living under a rock and need to get on that. Oh, if I, um, I would if I would have said I wasn't a fan, I would expect you guys to just hang up. Oh, oh we would for like, sure. Be yeah. done, but go ahead. And then we would send tweets to Dan Levy to find you and end you. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, no, that show's probably one of the greatest shows I've ever watched, but go ahead. Completely agree. Um, yeah, so we posted a series of, you know, if, if the Schitt's Creek characters were, were an airline crew and kind of making jokes about that. <clears throat> and uh, we posted one about Moira and she's wearing this crazy outfit. And it, it was, uh, you know, like, oh, when Susan makes up her own uniform compliance rules. And there's another one of Moira looking at a computer. And it was like when Susan messes up her bid. And, you know, everyone's oh, Susan. Kind of <laughs> made jokes about Susan's nowadays. And Karen's and Karen all that and sort Susan, of stuff. yes. Exactly. And, um, you know, there's a whole debate about that, which is a whole other discussion. But uh, someone accused us of being ageist. Um, and they sent us this long rant about how we um, were disrespecting people, you know, for their age and, and discriminating. And I just, you know, you couldn't help but laugh because, you know, we do this series called Flight Attendant Friday. Mm-hmm. And every Friday we share a new story from a flight attendant. Doesn't matter how long you've been flying, how old you are, what airline you work for. You know, we just want to hear inspiring stories from people. And we've always showcased people of all varieties. You know, there's, there's no, you know, limit to that. We, we just love hearing people like real people and real stories. And so to get a message like that, that says that we're ageist or somehow horrible people for posting a meme, we just had to laugh because you're like, no, we really care about people. You're a jerk. (laughs) Right. Well, and you know, like you said earlier, the larger you guys get, the more people that follow you, the more that you are known the more trolls are going to come after you. That's just, that's just the math of, of the social media thing. So I'm glad that you're laughing at these people because that's all you can do. Like, (laughs) I love it. I'm like, I, it, it, I'm amazed at what offends people. Oh, definitely. I wrote a blog post a while back about a bitching about gate agents because, you know, I know you guys, you guys are very respectful. Like I'm a dirty, mouthy, inappropriate, <laughs> like horrible human being. You guys like to maintain some level of decency. And I really respect that because somebody needs to, but I wrote this blog post about gate agents and how some of them are bitches and they're crazy and they hide and whatnot. And I got attacked like verbally attacked by gate agents. And I was like, whoa, settle down. Cause you guys laugh at the flight attendant jokes and you laugh at the pilot right. jokes. So you right. can't just come at me now. Cause I wrote a blog post about gate agents. So I'm going to need you to sit right. down and just be on your phone. Like you do when you're at the gate. Well, and we really try to respect and celebrate everybody. And we also really try to 
poke fun at everybody too. Like if you look at our page, it's not just the Karens that we're making fun of. We're making fun of the, you know, cute little new hires that can't figure out how to open a, a, a galley <laughs> compartment. Like <laughs> there well, is a meme out there for that. I promise. You know, and um, you're absolutely right. You have to pick on everybody. Just like, jo you know, that was Joan Rivers thing. Joan Rivers said, I'm, you can't call me a racist because I pick on everyone. Or you can't, you know, and Joan Rivers was incredible. Like, she's like, you can't come at me for anything because I talk about everybody. Mm -hmm. So uh -huh. I think there's that's, some truth to that. Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. And um, so that's why I like to pick on all three of the work group. Like, I don't really bother with the ground ops people because, you know, they're too busy playing basketball when there's no flights. So, I mean, <laughs> that's the only funny thing about them, really. So, but I love the idea that you just laughed at it because that shows that you're above it. And I, I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it kind of applies to every aspect of your life. There's always going to be somebody who doesn't like what you're doing, doesn't like what you're saying and completely disagrees with you. And if you let that go to your heart or to your head, like that's the end of you, you know, you, you have to have thicker skin than that. And to them, I say that's what the unfollow button is for. <laughs> right. It's like, True. it's like, well, John, yeah. Like, bye bye. I don't understand when they follow you and they hate everything you say. It's like, why the fuck right. are you here? What is <laughs> You don't you see leave me. Now. I'm not following Donald Trump. I'm like, why are you following me if you don't like me? This makes no sense. <laughs> exactly. I know. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, I want to go back to, well, oh, wait a minute. Before I even do that, you, I want to talk about this Karen thing because I see it on social media, but I don't know if I understand what's happening because I'm old. So can you explain it to me? <laughs> you are not old. Um, hey, Karen, you <laughs> it. Yeah, I know, right? I'm old. <laughs> now, Karen I'm, meet Karen. <laughs> now I'm being insulted on my own podcast. Yay, that's fun. <laughs> Tell me that's not the first time this has happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. I don't think I've been insulted. Uh -oh. No, I'm just well, kidding. No, no. no okay. I know. We're really not trying to insult you. No, no, no it's I'm just, just become, joking. It's just become a, a thing, I guess, on the internet. You know, everyone's just kind of making fun of that stereotypical, often, you know, Caucasian woman with a, you know, short haircut. <laughs> who's right. yelling at customer service professionals and, you know, she's just kind of been dubbed a Karen. And I think that's something that we all kind of deal with on a day-to-day -day basis is just that, that idea of someone who is never satisfied with anything right. like you, you know, this person, you know, and it's not even necessarily that that's just what, you know, the image is of, but it could be anybody that comes on your plane and, you know, basically, demands things that are completely off the wall and, you know, shouldn't be expected. And it's become this Karen that's taken over the internet. Is it, is it like, um, I want to speak to the manager, but we've given her a name and it's Karen. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Because mm -hmm. right. I remember the memes of like the chick with the bob that's cut. She looks like Kate and her 30,000 kids. And it was always that's like, exactly her. I want to speak to the manager. So that's yeah. Karen. So, because yeah. I read somewhere where, and correct me if I'm wrong, some people were saying like it's racist against white people, which I think is absurd. 
But oh, yeah, I read an article yeah. and that's why I was like, what is happening? What if I, I took, I went to bed and I woke up in the morning and now there's this Karen thing. What did I miss? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's gotten a little out of hand. Um, but you know, the internet does that. They take a joke and they run with it until it's become too far. And then someone's offended someone and that's the end of it. Now that you guys are in the social media world, do you find that people are looking to be offended? I I feel like that's half of the purpose of social media. <laughs> I mean, people get people get on and they, you know, they're either bragging, you know, basically it's just bragging. I mean, you're either having a better day than everybody else or you're having a worse day than everybody else or you're more offended than anybody else. I mean, it's, it's just like become kind of a twisted competition sometimes of, you know, who can have the, the best or the worst or whatever, the most intense experience. So I think in some ways, yeah. People love to be offended. They, and I think it's People that, do. it's that gotcha. Like you wrote, you wrote us, um, an ageist, meme and I'm going to write this long message to you and let you know how I feel. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no, I don't care. I just made a meme for God's sake. <laughs> right. Like, it's not like I'm trying to stop people from getting COVID-19 testing. I wrote a meme. Right. So, like, <laughs> like settle the fuck down. Yeah. Social media has become just like everybody has a soapbox now yes. and can get on their own little rant about things. And, you know, they think that they've somehow changed, changed the scope of things because of that. It's, it's, Kind of crazy. And it's so easy in social media to rally your troops because you find people who mm -hmm. share similar ideas and those are your friends and you rally them to go on the attack when you are offended. So it just becomes this larger thing. Yeah, that's true. You get, they get the, it, then, then it's not just one person offended. It's like Mary and Janice and Cl Clarissa are offended and I'm offended too, even though I thought it was funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> I shared it a thousand times before my friend told me they were mad, and now I'm upset too. That's just the yeah. way of the world. That's exactly oh my right. God, it's ridiculous. I do want to. <laughs> I want to go back to this incredible blog post. I want to read a portion of it to you guys, and then I want to talk about it. So, um, okay. Every day we are expected to maintain our composure and greet passengers with a warm smile. At the same time, we are fearing for our own personal health and safety while also questioning whether or not we will have a job at the end of this. These unforeseen circumstances have added yet another layer to an already multifaceted profession. That is the paragraph that really stuck out with me because you're basically letting everyone know like, yeah, I'm up here, I'm smiling, I'm flying from point A to point B, but I could get sick too. And I might not have a job on October 1st. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's the weirdest part about being a flight attendant right now. And I, I think really a lot of people in customer service is, you know, you're expected to still show up and do what you're supposed to do according to whatever your, you know, airline guidelines are. And, but also, you know, we're getting emails that you, profit losses and, you know, debt and all this sort of stuff that could create this huge issue for us. So, yeah, it's such a weird juxtaposition to be in where you're like, I'm great. I'm happy. I'm a flight attendant. I love my job. I love my life. But I might be homeless tomorrow. Like, it's, it's so, you know, interesting to be in this place right now. 
And then when you go on social media and you read like social media posts from flight attendants, you know, there's some that are like, I'm scared, I'm concerned, but then they're still complaining. And, you know, I have this thing about complaining flight attendants. It really bothers me. And, um, and I don't mean complaining like us making memes and jokes. I mean, the ones that go on social media and then they're like, cruise scheduling fucked me over. Is anybody, does everyone else understand that? And then they all just want to share every time they've been butt banged by cruise services. And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> We've all bent over for cruise services with no lube. We we get it, but I get so. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, hell, like I'm once a month you're sure. getting banged by cruise services. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that part of the job we all signed up for too in the beginning. We all knew that we were going to experience that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I think any one of us is just naive to say, "Oh, I'm shocked that scheduling would do this to me, or that my company would." leave me in the city for 64 hours with no food. Like I, this is just the nature of the game. We're always facing different situations and scheduling issues and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, the complaining flight attendant kind of thing. You're right. There's, there's our version where it's like silly day-to-day things that we make fun of and highlight. And then there's just basically those people that are not happy with anything, like nothing, you know, you, you get profit sharing, you're, not happy because it's not as much as another airline or you get a long layover somewhere, but the hotel isn't quite the hotel you wanted. And like, you know, where do you draw the line? Where, where do you stop complaining? Do you ever stop complaining? That's the question. Do you ever stop complaining? That is the question. And (laughs) I bet you there's some people who, who will never stop complaining. Even if they were, if they were given a $10,000 check, they would say, why isn't it 10,001? And, well, and uh, I also think that flight attendants use social media because to vent, let's say, because so many, we talked about it earlier today, nobody understands our job. So we go on social media and on these group pages and, you know, want more sympathy than we, than we probably deserve sometimes, but we're trying to, I don't know, get people to understand because like so few people actually understand what we're doing. Well, we're not all as lucky as Rich and Andrew that we get to be married and just go home and you're like, you don't even have to write this on social media because you're just going to bitch to me about it. (laughs) You guys are lucky. But no, um, going back to that blog post, are you guys afraid of furloughs? Like, where's your level of anxiety right now with COVID-19? I think that whole thing is, it just makes me feel bipolar because there are some days where it's like, I think, everything's going to be okay. Like things seem to be leveling out. Maybe this will turn around. And then, you know, other days you're like, well, once this whole cares act thing is over and everyone can, you know, start furloughing, then it's all over for us. So it's kind of a weird thing because some days, you know, there's like there's highs and there's lows and they're so extreme right now. Some days you think you're fine and you know, I have enough money and I can, I can figure this out and get through this and, other days you're like, do I have enough money though? Like, and what do I do if I do lose my job? Do I, you know, how long does unemployment last? And, you know, what, what other skills do I have? What, where do I go next? So, um, I think it's a, it's a really challenging thing because I, I think if you ask anybody right now, no one really knows how they're feeling in some way, you know, everyone asks, how are you? And everyone just kind of stares at the person who asks, like, I, I don't know. I'm fine. I'm not fine. I don't know. <laughs> 
well, and I think furloughs is so far down the like it's too far down the road to even look at at the moment. Like right. personally, I'm trying to take it day by day. You know, this is where being married to a flight attendant is not fun because we don't have a minute to breathe. Like if I'm doing fine, he may not be, and vice versa. So neither one of us really get a chance to like relax into okay, we might be okay because we're both tied up in this industry and you're trying to navigate what it looks like if that does happen. And then you're like, I can't even, I can't even think about it right now. I've I've just got to step back and be okay with today. That's a very smart answer. Just, you know, so many of us focus on the future, like, Oh my God, October 1st, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? It's like, well, just think about April 30th or May 4th or, you know, May 7th, just focus like a week. Like I try, I had a friend ask me that and he's like, what do you think is going to happen? I'm like, I'm only doing three days at a time. Right. Yeah. Like, well, anybody that asked me that question, I'm like, okay, let's go back to March 15th to April 15th. And you tell me what the difference in air travel looks like. And I can't even begin to tell you what um, May 15th is going to look like. Who really knows? Yeah. Like who, nobody knows where, and like you said, just trying to, it's day by day. Now, are you guys, did you guys take any leaves? Are you currently flying? Well, not at this moment. I think, no, we, neither of us took any leaves or anything like that. We both kind of, I think have the same mentality of if the airline wants to get rid of us, you're going to have to drag us off the plane. (laughs) (laughs) I keep telling people we're lucky. Uh, in that we're both flight attendants, uh, and we both, no, neither one of our families live in the area with us, so it was an easy decision to make. Like, we're in this together, and so it wasn't like, I have to worry about bringing something home to my spouse or my kids. Like, we have the same level of of exposure, so it was was easy to decide to stay, where I understand where other people would have a much harder decision to make on the leave issue. Are your flights empty when you're working? Yeah, it's hit or miss. Um, I mean, I've had some with three passengers and I've had some with 50. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And it totally depends on the route too, I think. And as flights are getting more condensed and things are canceling, the flights that are still operating are more full every day. Oh, really? See, now I'm on a leave of, I'm on a leave until September. So yeah, I took um, the most time off possible. I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm going to just stay home and work on the podcast. So thank you very much. Um, (laughs) But I'm very curious because I, you know, all my friends talk, oh, there's three people, I'm flying three people to Raleigh today and two of them are non-revs. I'm like, what the hell? What's the point? Um, Right. Are, are passengers kind of, are they cool? Are, you know, how is the, the temperature of the passengers now compared to March 15th? You know, it's funny. I was just thinking about that before we started this conversation, because it's very much the same as it was before, but more extreme. Like the worst people that you would have on your flights before this global pandemic are still there, but there's fewer of them but they're also far more intense and far more obnoxious. And same goes for the good people, you know, the, the great passengers that you have, that there's still a few of them out there. And there are a lot of medical professionals that are flying and people like that who are right. super respectful and, and super, you know, great to have on the plane. So those, those same people, the good passengers and the bad passengers are definitely still there. There's just 
fewer of them and they're way more intense than they ever were before. Speaking of the people who are worse than they were before, I can't even imagine how the worst people could be worse. That gives me a little bit of angina and chest pain. But what are, <laughs> it's really good you took the lead, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> thank God I'd probably be dead. Because um, I, well, no, I'd probably be like, what are you talking? Sit down and be quiet. Now, um, what what level? What are they doing that makes them makes the worst even worse? Do you have an example? Well, yeah, I mean, people come on the plane and, you know, obviously we're all wearing masks now and gloves and trying to social distance as much as possible and still come on the plane. You know, I, these, these regulations are changing now with the mask requirements and stuff, but they'll come on the plane, you know, with no mask on and get in your face about something like a 10 minute delay. And you're like, with everything going on in the world, you're in my face you're possibly exposing me to a virus and you're screaming at me about something out of my control. Like, have you no shame? You know, like, do you have any idea what's going on in the world right now? Like, I don't know. I just feel like there's bigger fish to fry with so many of the little things that happen in our lives. And now more than ever, it's like people are getting caught up on dumb stuff. And, and they're like, at, at the end of the day, we have to be grateful for what we have at the end of all this. Right, because you're sitting there swallowing down the idea of saying, you know what, we've canceled five other flights. You're lucky this one's going with you and three other people. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of airlines aren't doing service right now. Um, and, you know, they'll come on and they'll scream at you about, you know, a Bloody Mary or something. And you're like, it's a 20-minute flight. What? <laughs> like, go sit down, get out of my face, stop breathing on me, right. and go drink a Bloody Mary when you get home. Like, it's just the things people, you know, would complain about previously. Say that person, you know, probably flying to West Palm would be, <laughs> yes, you know, mad about it on a regular day that, that you're charging them a certain amount of dollars for it. And now they're mad that they're not even getting it. And it's like, you should just be grateful that you're here and that we're bringing you to wherever you're going. I don't know. It's just, it seems like the people that are awful just seem more intense and more awful and that's probably partly because of everything going on right now. Well, yeah, because, you know, their level of anxiety is up, right? But, and they don't know how to, they don't know how, you know, people aren't that mentally healthy or stable enough to say, <laughs> God, you know, I should probably not like act like an asshole about a Bloody Mary because right. I'm not even, I shouldn't even be in the galley right now. Let me just sit down and be quiet for five minutes. Like that's, right. that's asking people a lot for them to accept that. And I'm sure they're like, I'm never flying this airline again. You're like, well, nobody's handing out Bloody Mary. So have fun, have fun with that. Right. Exactly. Like, I just hope this airline is, an option for you not to fly at the end of all this. Like, that's really what I'm hoping, right. you know, like, I mean, the way our industry is changing, it's like, be grateful that you still have the ability to travel. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this podcast episode, don't get up in front of your flight attendants and scream and holler and bitch about a bloody Mary, sit the fuck down and calm down. <laughs> you know, your flight attendant is like, like you care. Like you're like, listen, I'd give you a bloody Mary, but they don't even give us alcohol anymore. So relax.
I want to jump ship here of flight attendant world. And I want to talk about house hunters. Cause before you were even two guys on an, a plane, you guys were like celebrities on HGTV. And I am very curious of how this happened. <laughs> well, you're probably going to sense a theme here, but it all started as a joke as do most things in Rich and Andrew's lives. <laughs> um, we <laughs> were buying our first house in uh, Philly and we, I mean, obviously we're, we're jokers. We make light of every situation we're in. And we were in this one particular house with our realtor and she was like, Oh yeah, you know, three bathrooms or whatever it was. And we were like, Oh great. Well, where the hell's the third bathroom? And we're looking around and we're like, there are only two, like obviously whoever wrote this listing is an idiot. So we open up the, one of those, you know, closet doors, like the bifold doors with the flats and there's a toilet in the closet like that's it <laughs> that's all that's really in there and if you were to sit on the toilet which of course i did uh the door doesn't shut all the way without hitting your knee hmm. so i'm sitting there and i'm like is this a joke like are people really selling houses like this and our realtor is laughing and she's like oh my god you guys this would be so funny on house hunter and poor andrew is like uh no uh-uh no stop right there <laughs> and he's like giving her the signal to, like shut up and she's like what and he's like, if you make that kind of joke, my husband will do it. He's just that kind of person. He's going to run with it. And two weeks later, I get an email from my husband telling me that we have an audition for House Hunters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I went home that, like, that night and Googled it. And it was like, here's how to be on House Hunters. And I was like, all right, let me call these tips. And someone called us like two days later. And they were like, hey, we just want to do an official audition. You guys seem great. And I was like... Is this a joke? Like, did I, I was doing this as a joke, and now it's really happening. Um, and so, yeah, so they, we did the audition. We ended up on the show. Um, and it, it was a funny experience. Um, you know, we really enjoyed doing it twice. Now, the, do they do they come to the so they audition you, and then wherever you live, they come and they do the show around you in the town that you want to buy a house in. Am I correct? Yes. Um, and I will warn you, we did sign NDAs and can't say too much about the secrets oh, of the show. So damn don't it. get too detailed <laughs> with us. Um, okay. so, but yeah, so basically, the pro I can tell you a little bit about how the process works. Okay. Um, so we, we uh, were contacted by producers and we were assigned like a crew. So there'd be a producer and a director, um, you know, a camera guy, sound guy, lighting guy. So all these people would come out and basically... Um, we would look at three houses with them and, uh, we spent five full days filming. They're scheduled to be like 10 hours, I think, but we usually finish quicker than that. Thank God. Cause that sounds like a lot of work. Um, and so we would, uh, you know, look at each house and basically, you know, a lot of people have discussed in, on the internet, you know, over the years of how fake house hunters is. And what we tell people is it's a lot more real than you would think. Like, the three houses that we looked at all had to be on the market. They had to match our criteria. They couldn't choose anything that was too far out of our location that we desired. Um, and then they pretty much remained a surprise to us um, until we were filming that day, just because they wanted our natural reactions on camera as to what the houses looked like. Um, so it was a cool experience and, you know, working with everybody and you have to use your realtor. So they have to be on board. Um, oh. And then, yeah, so it's a it's a cool experience. Um, 
we definitely had fun doing it and laughing and being our usual goofy selves. Well, maybe you guys, I know you, obviously you can't say anything if you signed a non-disclosure, but I, what I've heard about this show is, and I don't know if you can agree, disagree, or say that I'm wrong, but what I've heard is when they get somebody on the show, the person, so I'll, I'll use Karen as an example. So Karen's coming on the show <laughs> and Karen knows what house she wants to buy, but because it's a TV show, they're going to throw in two houses that she might not she's not going to buy. And so now it kind of looks like she's picking one of them, but she really knows which house she's going to buy. I'm not going to confirm or deny anything that you're saying, but what I will say is you have to think realistically. Some people find a house and they buy it and it's that's that. And some people spend, you know, a year or two looking at houses and it's not super realistic for an entire camera crew to follow you around for a year looking at hundreds of houses. So I will say that um, just to to put that into perspective. um, But yeah, we, we can't say either way. really. Well, that's a good, that's (laughs) actually a good, you guys are, you guys are going to go far. You know how to be so (laughs) PC and answer a question without answering it. I am excited. (laughs) Right now, if because, I get a call from HGTV uh, after this is, is released, listen, listen, almost as if we've been flight attendants for almost twenty years. I know, right? Here. We've been <laughs> talking our way out of situations. <laughs> We're professionals. Listen, if HGTV, if anyone from that show listens to this podcast, I, <laughs> I'm going to be very excited. So <laughs> now, how how did you guys get on twice? Can you explain that? Well, we, the first time around, we um, really enjoyed working with the director that we worked with. Um, and we, you know, like between filming, like we'd have lunch with him and that sort of thing, just kind of just throughout the day. And uh, we enjoyed working with him. And so when we were going to buy our second house, um, you know, we, we wanted to move. We wanted a little more space, typical classic house owner story. Um, we wanted more space. And so when we went to buy the second house, um, we were, you know, I, I shot him a text. We were actually on vacation skiing with Andrew's family and I shot the director a text and I was like, you know, just out of curiosity, if we were buying a house and we thought maybe we should do the show again, what would you think about that? And he of course laughed and was like, Oh my God, you guys are so fun to work with. That would be great. I'll have uh, my assistant call you. And I was like, Oh, I didn't think it was that easy. Crap. So, <laughs> Andrew, comes, Andrew comes back from skiing that day and he's exhausted. And of course, I'm the lazy one that's like drinking in the lodge while everyone's skiing, scheming up plans. Um, and he comes back and he's like, he's like, why do you have an evil grin on your face? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so I told him and then it all just kind of unfolded from there. We had to go through the whole process again with like, the official audition and everything. But, um, yeah, that, that's kind of how it happened. What can you tell me? What, what, are, what are they auditioning for to make sure you don't look or sound like a lunatic on TV? Basically. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I honestly, I would love to be a fly on the wall and see some of the videos that they get from people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that just, you know, seeing how we work together, you know, what, what we agree on, what we disagree on. Cause you know, they, they always show couples, you know, bickering on TV and looking like they hate each other. And I don't know how many times I've seen that show and been like, they're going to get divorced. Um, And so 
I made it clear with them from the beginning. I was like, I don't want us to look like that because if we leave this show looking like we're going to get divorced, I'm going to come for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they always, the, the, the way they edit the show. And I think this is for all like reality shows like that. They make one of them. They make one of the spouses look like a complete and utter lunatic. Mm-hmm. And then the well, other which ones. One that, do you think on our episode? Well, I haven't watched your episodes. I just know because I follow you on, <laughs> I stalk you on social media, and I was like, they were on House Hunters twice. What the hell? <laughs> I haven't even been on Apartment yeah. Hunters, so I need to know. I need to know how this all works. But you know, when I watch the show, and now I have to find your episode and watch it. Uh, both of them. Um, you, they do always set up one spouse to be like the, the one who's kind of like, oh my God, who colors a house? Who paints a wall like this? And I'm always like, well, you can repaint it. Stop talking about it. Do they? Well, luckily for them, we're both those people. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you got on again. They were like, these lunatics yeah. want to come back again. Sign oh yeah, them double the fun. Up. Now, do they tell you, do they tell you guys to like ham it up or is it all just really natural? Um, I, I don't know if it there, I'm sure it varies based on people to people, but I feel like for us, it was a lot of us just being ourselves and they would maybe be like, okay, you're starting to sound tired. But like, other than that, it was pretty much whatever crap came out of our mouth is what they decided to air, which for better or worse happened because <laughs> there are a couple of times where Andrew and I would say things and we'd be like, actually, can we, can we pull that out? And they would just laugh at us and be like, God, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's going in the show. <laughs> God, no. The most embarrassing thing you can say is going to be on the show. So don't even. Oh yeah. Luckily for Rich, after the second episode, my family still loved him. So. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it wasn't good. I just, it, you know how you see those, those shows and there always seems to be a theme. Like it sounds like this person just really hates like tile floor or whatever the, the like shtick is. Yes. It sounds like they really hate them. Well, in our second episode, the thing that it sounded like I hated the most was Andrew's family. <laughs> and it, I felt horrible because the things that came out of my mouth were all my own. They were all my thoughts and ideas, and they just kept coming out of my mouth like word vomit. And I was like, oh, you can't, you can't put that in there. And uh, luckily for me, my in-laws are fantastic. And they were like, well, that's all stuff you would say to our faces. So we were fine with it. <laughs> oh, so they know that you are just, you're one of, you're, you're, you're kind of like me. You're just a lunatic and you're just going to say whatever comes to mind. That's absolutely yeah. correct. Say a hundred percent. Now, did you get a, did you watch it with them or did they call you after and say, so we just saw something funny. Uh, the first time that it aired, we happened to be with all of our family because it aired like two days before our wedding. So as a surprise, <laughs> my mom got all of our families together at the hotel where we were having the rehearsal and uh, they had big screen TV set up. So we literally had to sit there and have all of our friends and family wrote everything that we did on the TV show. It was fantastic. Aww. Yeah, they don't tell you when the episode is going to air. They just kind of give you a general like six to nine month window. And then they email you like a week before it airs. And so, you know, we're getting ready for our wedding. And we get an email that's like, oh, it's going to air October 5th. And we were getting married on the 7th. And I was like, of course it is. <laughs> of course, all of our family and friends are going to be in the same city in the same hotel 
just to sit together and roast us. So it was kind of funny. It all it all worked out for the best. And then the second time, we were actually traveling um, in Paris uh, with my mom, and we found a way to watch it while we were over there. We woke up at like I don't even know what time of day it would have been four a.m. or something when it aired. And we like drank mimosas and watched it and made fun of ourselves. Oh, so. that's fun. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. fun. I bet. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to dig these up and watch them. I, if I was a good podcast host, I would have watched them already, but I mean, the fact that I knew <laughs> Please, about it fine. and I stalked you a little bit online and I found out you guys got married in an aviation museum. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, he did. The Carolina's Aviation Museum in Charlotte. Yeah. Stalker here, right here. <laughs> yeah. There's no secret that I don't know. Who picked who picked that location <laughs> or was it a, a was it both of you? It was a kind of a mutual decision because neither one of us are from the Philly area. We were having a hard time picking a venue and deciding, you know, where to go and families were going to have to travel either way, so we were trying to find something that was meaningful to both of us and since we're both flight attendants and that's the um the museum housed the uh sully airplane and since that's the type of airplane that we met on it all seems kind of magical it just worked i love it yeah it we all originally comes together yeah it, it, it's funny how it all worked out because i'm from boston and andrew's from kentucky and we were talking we were like well two gay guys getting married in Kentucky might not be the best idea. And then getting married in Boston was going to cost us a million dollars. So that wasn't a good idea. And, um, we technically, one of our first dates was in Charlotte at that, at that hangar. We both went to that museum on one of our dates because we'd never been and we'd always wanted to see it. And it just kind of came to us one time and we were like, well, that's perfect. And they were like, we don't really do a lot of weddings. Like we've done like maybe three. And I was like, well, we're going to do it. (laughs) So. <laughs> I love it. Oh no. I bet you that was awesome. And it's so perfect because you guys met on a plane. I think it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, well, thank you guys for coming on the podcast. But before we go, I want to play a round of let's get grounded where I ask you to pick an airline name and then I ask you the question and you answer it. Now I kind of want to ask you two questions. So you each have a chance to, to um, answer a question. So Andrew, let's go with you first. So, um, pick American Airlines, Delta, Frontier, or JetBlue? JetBlue. JetBlue. All right. On a flight from Los Angeles to Sydney, if you could sit next to any famous person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Well, that's a tough one. They could be Um, dead, alive, whoever. I just finished reading her book recently, so I'm going to go with Michelle Obama. Oh, nice. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be so right? cool. I just feel like the conversation that you could have with her would be phenomenal. She seems like such a amazing human. She reminds me of someone who would just drink mimosas with you and talk about how fabulous her hair is. I don't know. That's just yeah. what I, I would be like. Yeah, that's I, it. I'd be like, Michelle, I know you probably want some really exciting and educated questions, but I just want to know, how do you get your hair to look that great? I also just want to know what arm exercises she does. Like, <laughs> it's all those push-ups she does on Barack Obama. Oh no! Oh no! Oh my God! All right, Rich, you're next. Rich, you're next. American Airlines, Delta, Frontier, or JetBlue? Let's go with Frontier. Frontier. 
What is the one item you never travel without? The one item I never travel without. Ooh, um, honestly, probably my hot logic. Do you have a hot logic? Do you know what that is? No, but I know what it is. It's the little um, cooler type hot thing. It's a hot plate, right? You plug it in and it cooks your food. Yeah. You guys showcase that on your blog. Yeah. Yes. Well, because we're obsessed with it. I mean, it like changed my world because if you don't have a microwave or an oven on your airplane or anything like that to heat up your food, like it's a great way to get a hot meal, home cooked meal when you're away from home. Like I, before I met Andrew and we still joke about this, we, I was so special in the kitchen. Like it's not (laughs) even funny. I, he would open my cabinet and be like, I'll cook you something. And he'd open it up and be like, you have Captain Crunch and Pop-Tarts. I don't know what you think I'm going to make with this. And so when we met, you know, he loves cooking and he's really good at it. So he would start making stuff for me to bring on trips. And I was always like, well, how the hell am I supposed to heat this up? So that, that's probably my one thing that I can't live without when I travel. I know a lot of people, I don't have one personally, um, but I know, cause I just drink vodka when I'm on layovers, but <laughs> that's a joke, but no, I, I hear they're no, so not. incredible. It's not. And listen, can I just tell you like a few sentences ago when you were talking about being in the kitchen, you sounded just like David Rose and I almost got emotional that the TV show's over. That's uh, like the best compliment I think I could ever receive. It was like one <laughs> sentence. I don't even know what you said, but there was like one sentence that you said, and it sounded exactly like David Rose. And I'm gonna have to go back and listen. But thank That's you. Funny God. you say that because one of my best friends said to me, she was like, "I can't tell if you were like David Rose before the show, and he just happened to be similar, or if you turned into him because of the show." <laughs> Who's your favorite character on the show? Oh, that's a tough call. I might have to go with uh, Alexis. Oh, she she had the best storyline. She's I think she's the one who Thank grew you. the most. She's the one who changed. That's what Andrew and I say all yeah. the time. The, yes, she had the best arc because she went from oh being God, like yes. f- flippant and oh my God, and then at the end she's like, I'm just yes. gonna work on my yeah yeah. I um because you're also a writer, so you see the beauty in that development. Oh yeah yeah no I I always look at how did the character change like Moira's. I don't think she changed very much, but she was so <laughs> fun. And I just thought that show was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Anyone who has not lit, watched Shit's Creek, you need to get on it right after you finish listening to this episode. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Thank you guys so much. Please let everyone know where they can find you, where they can stalk you, where they can read your amazing blog. Please, this is when you can hoe yourself out. Absolutely. Yeah. Check us out at twoguysonaplane.com. We're two guys on a plane on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I think that's all the things we've got going on right now. But stay tuned for more as we decide to get more creative. We're too old for TikTok. We haven't figured it out yet. (laughs) You know, I thought they were spelling it wrong. And I was like, why is everyone now doing TikToks? What's happening? And and a friend's like, no, you old bitch. It's a new thing. And I was like, I can barely handle Instagram. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. You guys are amazing. And only only success. And I know your empire is going to grow and grow. So congratulations. You guys are rock stars. Thank you, Joe. We really appreciate it. All right. Take care now. You too. All right, bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. 
Also check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.